Welcome to Girl Gang, the podcast. I'm your host, Amy Will, and the founder of GirlGangTheLabel.com. Hi, I'm Macy Timponi. I'm the executive director of video and social media at BuzzFeed. And you're listening to Girl Gang, the podcast. I'd love to know what was the first job you had that put you on this path. I feel like it was not a path that you knew you were going on to get to the position you're at today. Totally. Yeah. So, um, well, in college, I went to ASU with Amy um, and I studied broadcast journalism. And so when I was in college, I did a few internships. And I actually think that those internships, they weren't technically real jobs. Like I didn't get paid for them. I got college credit. But those definitely put me on the right path, I think, for the job that I currently have. Um, They were at television stations um, in Phoenix. And then Right after I graduated college, I got a job at a television show called Right This Minute. It's actually still on the air. Um, it's a very cheesy syndicated television show that um, talks about viral videos. So there's five hosts and they watch viral videos and talk about them. And it's on at like very odd times on local TV stations. <laughs> if I remember correctly, you had a viral video. I'm sure you've had multiple, but like of puppies coming into a room. Oh, on, yes. <laughs> was did, was that ever on the show or is that like the kind of stuff that they show? 100%. Actually, yeah, it's funny because after I left right this minute, I went to BuzzFeed. I was sort of their point of contact and they would constantly be reaching out to me like, oh my gosh, Macy, can we have permission to use this video on right this minute? Um, I actually do think that the puppy video... So yeah, I was in a video called Drunk Girls Get Surprised with Puppies, which is sort of my claim to fame, I will will say. Uh, But basically, yeah, like this guy's at Kornfeld who was a producer at BuzzFeed and now he's one of the Try Guys, which is a pretty popular um, YouTube channel and they, they have a book and go on tour and all these things. But he literally like got probably six of us girls quite drunk and then brought us into a room. He told us that we were going to be doing this like trivia show, which I totally believed because at the time I was in a good amount of videos and we were testing game show formats. So I was like, sure, that's funny. Get drunk and like do trivia. And so I'm sitting in this room with my coworker and they just start bringing in puppies one by one. And then like before I knew it, there was like probably six puppies. They were so cute. And I was so drunk and it was one of the best experiences probably of my entire life. <laughs> Wait, that is amazing how like that threaded together. Like in the moment when you're interning there, no idea what you know. They're like, yo, can we like use this on our station? Yeah, <laughs> no, it was really, it really was full circle. And when I was at Right This Minute, that's actually how I originally found out about BuzzFeed because, um, you know, I started at Right This Minute in like 2011 and BuzzFeed existed as a website, but they didn't start making video until like early 2013. Um, And so when I started seeing the videos, I was like, these are amazing. You know, let's get them on the show. And that's how I originally was like, wait, yeah, they're cool for the show, but I want to work there. I want to do that. Um, And even, yeah, like Zay Frank, who um, is like a mentor of mine, and he was my boss at different points of time when I worked at BuzzFeed. Um, he has a series on YouTube called True Facts, and I was like obsessed with this series when I worked at Right This Minute. And then when I went to come in for the interview at BuzzFeed, I saw him like out in the courtyard and was like, oh my gosh, like Zay Frank, this is crazy. This is so cool. And now the fact that like, you know, 
he has been such an incredible mentor to me. It, it's just all very, it's very cool. Yeah. It's super serendipitous to just yes. like have all these things come together and you don't know how they're going to piece together at 100%. the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's get to then your path at Buzzfeed because it's been an interesting one and you're really paving your own, like the, from where you started to the position now. So what was that first job you interviewed for and kind of like take us through that journey. Yeah. So I'm going to try really hard to like say this concisely and not go on a tangent. So, okay. So I was, um, working at right this minute, living in Arizona. I grew up there, born and raised. And I was in this phase in life where like some drama was going on with friends and I was just like feeling really down and like unhappy in my life in Arizona. I really wanted to get out. Um, And so again, I was working out right this minute. I was in this thing called Tempe Leadership, which is like, I think a lot of different cities have them. It's this leadership program where you learn about different parts of the city and then you do this big philanthropy project. And it was a really awesome experience for me. Um, And one of the things that they had us do in our final class basically was write a letter to ourselves. Um, And so I don't really remember doing this, but so I wrote this letter to myself in May of 2013 and then um in July of 2013 I would look at the BuzzFeed website all the time seeing for what jobs were available um and I really wanted to live in LA I've wanted to live in LA for a long time um and so I was like I'm gonna move to LA I'm gonna work at BuzzFeed and then one day this job posting came up the title was video curator um because I would look again all the time but there was never a job that I felt like I was at all qualified for. So I had my resume like perfect, ready to go, just like waiting for this perfect job that fit my skill set to come up. And then literally this video curator job came up and I was like, this is like what I do at BuzzFeed, like exactly, or sorry, this is what I do at right this minute, like exactly my current job. I'm so qualified for this job. So I applied on a Friday. I Again, lived in Arizona, but I put an L.A. address on my resume because I was like, I don't want that to be the thing that disqualifies me for this job. Like, I've hired people at Right This Minute and at this other PR agency I worked at, and if I saw someone at another state, I'd be like, no, like, let's not waste our time. So I put an L.A. address. Sunday night, I get an email from the BuzzFeed recruiter that's like, um, can you come in tomorrow or Tuesday? And I'm like oh shit like uh Tuesday would be great like definitely cannot come in tomorrow like I literally remember I was laying in bed and I opened the email on my phone and I was like (gasps) and I called my mom I was like oh my god and she was out of town somewhere and so I was like I'm gonna drive because at this point flights are like it's like less than 24 hours until I would need to fly out and so I was gonna drive and my mom's like that doesn't sound safe for you to drive by yourself like late at night and then basically do a turnaround trip and so thank you to my grandmother who had a lot of southwest points and paid for me to fly out um so I literally flew out the next day I stayed with a friend that night and she let me use her car and then I drove to the interview and in the interview I told the guy that was interviewing me I was like so right now I technically don't live in LA but I like have a place to live I'm moving in two weeks whether or not I have a job so that's like not a problem whatever um and then the interview actually went horribly like the the guy who interviewed me who is also now a friend of mine was just like a really tough interviewer and I left I remember calling my friend at the airport and I was like bombed the interview definitely not getting that job I can't believe I flew all the way to LA for this interview 
I can't be doing that every time I want to interview, so what now type thing. Um, And then at the end of the interview, I had asked him, like, okay, what are next steps? Like, what do you need from me? And he was like, why don't you write a few BuzzFeed.com posts about video and send them to me? So when I got home, I did that. Um, And then he responded back to me and was like, these are fine, but these are the things that I would do differently. And he didn't say, like, write more. He just was like, these are fine, but this is what I would have done differently. And so I wrote three more, and I responded back and was like, thank you so much for your feedback. Totally makes sense. I gave it another shot. Like, here's three more. And then the next call I got was from the recruiter being like, you got the job. So it was really crazy. <laughs> Has he ever talked about, from, you know, that you guys are friends, like, from his side, what he thought about how that went? Yeah, we have talked about it, and... He he didn't think the interview went as badly as I thought yeah. it did, um, but there was he was deciding between two people. Actually, it's funny because the other person ended up getting hired later on for another BuzzFeed job, but he tells me that the reason he hired me is literally because I did that second round and incorporated his feedback and that it just like it showed him a that I could take constructive feedback and actually make changes based on it and then just clearly I really wanted the job because I was like very persistent um and so I think it was definitely a good lesson for me that just like even if it's like kind of bruises your ego because I remember I read it and I was like these are fine like who are you you know what I mean like these are good I spent a lot of time on these but I was like okay you know what like he's gonna be your boss if you get this job like take what he said, give it another try. Um, so, oh my God, yeah. it's just so inspiring. I feel like a lot of like the interview process, I think is the most scary thing, even for like internships to executive levels. And so I think that's oh, just yeah. such a good takeaway. Like, obviously, no matter what, you're going to be more critical of yourself when you're the person interviewing, but just like every step you take from there, you can continue to do things to show who you are. I feel like I have so many weird interview, like, stories where the interview was bad but then something else weird like so in college I worked at Starbucks and I went for the interview and it like the Henry one at BuzzFeed might have not as been as bad as I thought but like the Starbucks one was so bad they did (laughs) like behavioral questions like tell me about a time when and I was just like everyone I was like I have no idea like I just did not know what to say so like never heard back obviously and then I actually was going to court for a minor in possession of alcohol (laughs) downtown Tempe and I walked to Starbucks and the guy that interviewed me was there working at Starbucks it was a different Starbucks than I had interviewed at and he was like you look so familiar and I was like oh yeah like you interviewed me for a job like three months ago and he's like oh yeah what happened with that and I was like oh I never heard back and he was like well, you seem great. Like, why don't you literally come in next week for training? And I was like, uh, okay. And literally, like, I worked at Starbucks for, like, nine months after that. And it was like, because I think, like, I we, you know, we it wasn't, like, that black and white. Like, we chatted for a minute, yeah. and I think I was, like, personable and, like, smiling and whatever. And then I got the job. So, <laughs> you know, I guess the point is, like, you never know. Like, even if an interview goes bad, like, there's always the potential that... You hear a lot about supply chains these days, because if the past couple years have taught us anything, it's that an efficient, well-managed supply chain is absolutely critical to keeping businesses successful and consumers happy. I'm Will Haywood, and I host a podcast called All Business, No Boundaries, where we talk about supply chains, how they work, what happens when they don't, 
and the innovations that are redefining what's possible in the world of logistics. Join me for insightful interviews with thought leaders and industry experts. We discuss how optimizing supply chains can break down the barriers that are holding businesses back. That's All Business, No Boundaries by DHL Supply Chain. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Something will work out. Yeah. (laughs) And like when you're crossing paths in different ways, like you can go into an interview and then the person you're interviewing with, for some reason, maybe you're not a fit for that. But if they're at a different company and they think of you, like just take every if you want to be with a company or you like look look at someone as a boss figure, even like, oh, this is my dream, like mentor. I want to work for them so bad. It's not always a no. It's a not right now. So you just have to kind of roll with it. And I think if you just like continue a positive attitude as much as you can, like obviously let yourself feel, but just like whatever is meant to be is meant to be. Let's make a plan of attack. Fuck it. Go back. Like you don't know when the stuff is going to circle back. The world is so so small. Yes. Yes. It's nuts. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you got the job. Yes. I get the job. Titles video curator. It's Mm -hmm. like individual contributor the the job was basically to write posts about video on buzzfeed.com and then take the learnings I was getting about what type of video was blowing up on the internet translate them for the video producers making content and I would like run brainstorms and write reports and um but I did have like traffic goals for driving traffic to the site from the post that I was writing um and yeah I basically I started doing that in I started at buzzfeed in August of 2013 um, and after just a few months, um, the posts were getting like averaging like a million views, which is crazy. I mean, the, the Buzzfeed website at that time, it was just like, we could not make enough content for people, you know? And so, but everyone was like, whoa, these video posts, which are pretty easy to write. They're a lot easier to write than a list of like original ideas. Cause you're just writing about a video. Like we should have more people doing that. And so I had never managed anyone. And they were like, let's have you hire someone. And I was like, I like, don't really know how to do that, you know, but okay. Um, and yeah, so then I basically started, I hired a small team. It started with two people that were writing posts with me. Um, but then in December of, of 2013, Zay, who I was talking about before, um, came to my desk and was, so at that time, the video producers um, were only making content for YouTube. So they would finish a video. They would, it was on a hard drive. They would hand it to an intern and right then and there, the intern would just upload it to YouTube. So there was zero strategy around when we published content, what channels we published them to, nothing like that. It was very haphazard, just like the video's done, we post it, that's kind of it. Um, And they only went on YouTube. And so at that time, Facebook was very much a place, you know, you wrote on your friend's walls and you uploaded albums of your trips and stuff. Um, and Zay came to my desk and asked me, he, he was like, I heard that video on Facebook's maybe going to become a thing. So can you start uploading all the videos that we publish on YouTube onto Facebook? And I thought he was crazy. I was like, no one wants to watch videos on Facebook. That's not what you use Facebook for. But I mean, I couldn't like say no to him. So I was like, sure, I can do that. And then obviously, like, we know, we know how this story ends. But basically, (laughs) he was very, very right that Facebook video became a really big thing. So probably six months later, this Facebook page that we had started that we were uploading original video to had a million followers and then two million. And then it outpaced the BuzzFeed main Facebook page. And um, so we knew that you know, something was kind of happening. Um, 
And yeah, so then he probably six months after we had started doing this, he asked me, okay, this is going well. Like, what what would you do next? Like, would you start a new page? What would that page be? Um, and so my idea, I guess, was like at the time we were seeing identity-based content, especially female-focused, was performing really well on Facebook. So I was like, what if we segmented that out to another page? called it Story of My Life, which is a page that still exists on Facebook. Um, It's called SOML. Um, But so we started that page and it immediately was super, super successful. So then we were like, oh, we need to keep spinning up these pages. Um, So I hired an intern to help me. Um, And then, yeah, we just like literally like probably the next page that we launched was Tasty, which is now like a (sighs) hundred and... Yeah. Something million. That's one of them I was going to bring up. Yeah. Tasty is next level. Yeah. It is like, oh my gosh, I could watch it all day. Like, yeah, it's crazy. So damn. So how many did you, was it just those two or was there like a catalog of? Oh, we went crazy. Okay. So like, yeah. So like SOML was the first one. And then, yeah, I think Tasty was probably the second one after BuzzFeed video. But then we did Nifty, we did Goodful, we did International Tasties, we did a bun- we did like Tasty One Top, Tasty Junior. Um, yeah, I mean, we at this point, the amount of Facebook pages that me and my team have started <laughs> is like through the roof. Like we like because it's so easy to spin up a Facebook page. So sometimes we'll just be like, oh, like let's just make that a Facebook page, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, we have dozens um like the most recent one we started is one called just satisfying things um and it's just like it sounds it's just satisfying is it like things where like people like scrape soap and do okay I'm gonna that is so meditative to me (laughs) I'm gonna be like spending a lot of time on it's really fun yeah and literally that like one of my deputy social media director we were noticing that on nifty which is like a DIY and crafting home page um satisfying stuff was doing well and he literally in the brainstorm was like what if we did a page that was like just satisfying things? And I was like, we could literally call it just satisfying things. We're like, yeah, let's do it. And then we just did it. Oh my God. Wait, that sounds so much fun too, just because you have this crazy audience. I mean, we've seen the BuzzFeed effect firsthand, the second business that we started, the first business Corey and I started together, um, the coloring book company. It got featured. Oh my God. Yeah. You were one of our first orders. It was on, um, I remember because I had been looking up viral product strategies because I'd originally done like all organic SEO and like no paid ads, no things like that. So I was looking at like, what's the next thing that's kind of like getting on the first page of Google effect. And it's like this viral effect. So I'd been looking at like Dollar Shave Club and Sriracha to go and all these companies and saw like, oh, when you're on BuzzFeed, it's just fucking (laughs) nuts. So we had gotten onto BuzzFeed books and we were so excited and sales kind of started going. And I mean, it was to us crazy traffic, this like coloring book company that we like had no idea how to scale at the time. It was like we, Corey came up with it like a month before and then it got on the main page of BuzzFeed and it was like $30,000 in orders of coloring books over a weekend and that we were is like so cool the BuzzFeed because I'd like read about people doing this and like <laughs> even on a much larger scale like just crazy things but I'm like oh my god custom coloring books like there's no other platform that we could have gone on first 
and gone like viral because of that. And then it was picked up by like 500 media outlets, the Today Show. But I feel like if it started on the other platforms that picked it up, like a Nylon magazine, things like that, if it started on that, I know it would have been as crazy. Like we had in our minds, like, let's get on BuzzFeed first. And then I feel like people check it every day what to post. Like there's people at Nylon and Teen Vogue looking every day what's on BuzzFeed. We're reposting. So we were like, I mean, that's what I did it right this minute. Yeah. 100%. It's just crazy to see the effect firsthand. And I feel like when you're in that every single day and creating things, and see that effect all the time that must be like dopamine just <laughs> pumping through like let's make this that's a good idea and then like it's followers so galore. fun like oh. to like be like here's a number like let's make it go up and just like watch <laughs> that happen like when we launched because so tasty was like we really had no idea that something even could scale in that way before tasty um so it's kind of hard because you compare other things to it and it just looks sad but like (laughs) we've learned at this point like you can't compare things to tasty um but so that just went so crazy and so then we had this engine of tasty to help us launch new things so when we launched goodful literally facebook stopped letting people like it because they thought it was spam because and it wasn't it was literally just like we all we did we made one video it was a really good video but um we posted it onto the goodful page that had like no likes and then we shared it from tasty which had millions of likes and people were just going so crazy to like the goodful page that it literally made it so that they couldn't like it but it grew to oh gosh I don't want to I I don't want to say the exact number because I'm gonna get it wrong but it was five million likes I want to say in a day, but it might have been a week. So I don't you can't quote me on that. But like it was the growth on that page was just so insane. But it was because of Tasty. Yeah. So after we had Tasty, we could just like do anything because it was like, oh, here's a random idea. But like with the Tasty effect, it'll we just know it'll go so crazy. Oh, my God. That's so meta. The Tasty effect within the BuzzFeed effect. I'm like (laughs) so many layers. And also just thinking of like Jennifer Aniston starting Instagram. That's just like a day in the office for you guys. Like, well, fucking sites down again. Like Facebook blocked us like. Oh, well. Oh, my gosh. And that must be like so much fun strategizing and seeing like what things to use as a vehicle to what to just create this large because a lot of people have tried to do things like BuzzFeed, but there isn't like really anything compare comparable to the viral effect that you guys have created and sustained. Totally. Yeah. And I think we're really lucky that we just we were kind of ahead of the game. And so now we have this scale that you just can't compete with. Like someone could be just as good as us, but they don't have the ability to leverage the scale that we do. So they're just never gonna be able to do it as as big. So we're really lucky. There's nothing like the BuzzFeed effect. Even watching, (laughs) I was like looking up stuff to design um, promotional material for when we release your podcast and like looked at the logo more closely. And it's like, that's just like how it feels to be featured on that platform. So like, what's it like a day in the life just chilling? Um, Okay, so you're like bringing out these pages left and right um, and like starting to develop a strategy behind what you guys are doing. So yes. then what was that step like to the next the next phase in your BuzzFeed career? Because you guys are in a new office now, right? Yes. And yeah, like we've the moved team is offices huge. a lot. Like when I started, <laughs> like my first day was at this house in the Hollywood Hills, <laughs> which was a very intimidating place as someone who like, you know, I had moved to L.A., I didn't even, I wasn't even able to give right this minute two weeks notice. Like I found out, I think on a Wednesday and they were like, can you start 
not the following Monday, but the Monday after. So it was like a week and a half. And I had to move to LA because I lived in Arizona. So like I moved over the weekend and had to like come in to work on Monday. And it was coming into this house in Hollywood. I had interviewed at a different, also very small, weird office, but they had then moved into this house. And so I remember like I pulled up, I literally got a ticket my first day because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I'm like, oh God, I'm so awkward. I like walk into this living room and there's like 10-ish people and they're like sitting in a circle having a brainstorm. And I'm like, hi, I'm Macy. Like I was so intimidated. And then for the first, you know, month of working there, I, I worked in this house before we moved into our first office and I would like sit on this couch and like work. Um, and then my boss, Henry, would like, he always worked, like no one had like a tr- typical desk, but like everyone sort of had their spots that they gravitated towards. And his was in the basement and he would... <sighs> We used hip chat at the time, which is kind of like Slack now. And he would like hip chat me and be like, hey, can you come down to like talk about this thing? And I would always be all nervous to like go down to the basement to like talk to him. But um, yeah, so we moved offices a lot at the beginning, um, which was always fun. It's because it was always in the general vicinity. So the commute never got too bad. But um, it's like there's always something new happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, slowly we just as platforms sort of grew and changed, like then we had Snapchat and then we had Instagram and um, YouTube, we had already realized, oh, we should also be being more strategic about this. So I had some people focused on YouTube. Um, And yeah, slowly but surely we just kind of grew. And then it really felt by accident. Like my title was actually manager of video curation for probably a year longer than it should have before I was like, wait, I think I'm more like running the social media team. I don't know if I'm doing video curation anymore. Um, So yeah, it wasn't ever, like we never set out on this path to like grow strategically this team. It was really just like, oh gosh, now we need someone, like now Tasty's huge. So we need someone to actually full-time run it instead of just having me and the intern doing it. And, And, you know, oh, now we're launching Nifty. What if we had someone who like, ran the page, but also worked with the content creators to help them come up with ideas and wrote reports so that they'd have a better sense of what was working. And, and then suddenly it was like, oh, wait, this is a thing. Let's like actually take a step and figure out how it should best be structured and what exactly the role of the people on this team is. Cause there was no like real job description. Like we were just like, you know, every day people's jobs were sort of changing and it was like, oh, you were doing this, but now can you do this? And they'd be like, sure, I'll do that. So, and I imagine too, working at a company that's growing, that was growing so fast is still growing so fast, um, that to work there and keep your job, you really had to do whatever someone needed. So even if I'm sure you tried to do a job description, it's like, but also like every day you might need to be helping with this or that, like hands on deck, everyone. 100%. And yeah, um, I actually think the biggest thing that has gotten me to where I am now at BuzzFeed is just the fact that I'm always like, yep, I'll do that. Like there's no job too big or too small for me to do. And it's been like that the whole time. So when Zay asked me to publish Facebook videos, it's like definitely not in my job description, but sure, I'll happily do that for you. Um, And there was a million other things I was doing at that time that didn't pan out to be anything. But I think the fact that I kind of said yes to everything and if I didn't know how to do it I would just learn and figure it out definitely helped so that I got to just meet so many different people and 
you know, they they saw me as someone who was resourceful and helpful and optimistic. And so then when there were other more interesting opportunities, they also thought of me. It's not all playful and ridiculous. Like some of it's really playful and ridiculous. Um, and then some of it, you know, is like stretching muscles that I haven't ever had to really flex before and learning about like the budgeting thing has been a huge learning curve for me this year because when I was running social like I had headcount but I we didn't need variable budget it was like the people on my staff were the people that did the work but now with video there's so many costs associated with video um, and we have a pretty large freelance stack so trying to disseminate the budget to all of the different teams and deciding what they need and what they you know like how they should be spending that money it's a lot um so it's been a big learning curve. And um, so so honestly, like planning is a big part of my day today. And then people management is a really big part of my day today. Um, I have a lot of meetings. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other cool thing about my role is that we get to work really closely with the platforms. Um, so we're like in constant contact with Facebook and Instagram. And that's a really fun aspect too. Like we sometimes do big projects with them. So with Facebook Watch, we um, launched eight shows with them um, that they that were like funded by Facebook, but then BuzzFeed executes on. Um, and they've renewed three of them so far. And so that's been a really fun project. And now on Friday, we're like doing a big event with them at Hispanicize where we're doing a panel and a happy hour. So those types of aspects are also um, really fun and rewarding. And so used to having everything in front of them right away that we forget that innovation just takes time. I, I myself, I get frustrated too. Why? And you know, this is being one of my best friends is, hey, I talk to you all the time. Hey, man, I'm frustrated in the fact that I can't seem to just get there in mm -hmm. the next day. But that's just not how these things work. Right. Innovation needs to be planned out. It needs to be very methodical. And then when it finally hits, that's when it seems like to everyone else that it, it sort of just came out of nowhere. But to you, you know the amount of dedication that it took over that time. Yeah. And then so the big part of your job now, like the managing and even I'm assuming now you like manage managers yes. like, okay, so you go into like your first hire and managing someone now cut to what is your team like now? And do you thrive in managing now? Or is it something that you like have to constantly be working on? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, I used to kind of hate managing. Um, actually I, when I first got to a point where the social team was pretty large. It was probably like 10 people. I convinced my boss at the time to let me hire a deputy director, basically just to people manage. Cause I was like, I want to do the strategy stuff and I'm spending all my time in like HR land and I don't want to do that. I don't want to write mid-year reviews for a month. Um, but since then, I think it's honestly the kind of thing that every time you do it, it gets easier and easier. And so it's like, at this point, it's I'm kind of just used to it, and I I still don't think it's my strongest suit. Um, I think as a woman, especially, like I just have a lot of insecurities around it. Um, but I'm I'm much more comfortable doing it now than before. Um, and I had an executive coach for 
basically all of this year. That was really, really helpful. Um, and just a getting me to know myself better and like my own strengths and weaknesses. And there's certain things that I learned through that process that I didn't think about with myself before. Um, but I was asking that I've never managed a ton of people. The most I've ever managed, including freelancers, is like four at a time. And it's something that I honestly hate doing. I like being a collaborator. And so I just find it interesting, like the company you're at, the size it's at now, like you like to scale and that you eventually have to be managing people. So how that, you know, is for you. Yeah. I mean, I will say the other like now I manage like my direct reports. Sorry. Um, My direct reports are all like director level people mm-hmm. who are also managing managers um and they are so amazing like the pe- the people that I manage now are literal absolute rock stars so I don't have to deal with sort of like there's no performance issues mm-hmm. at all whatsoever so obviously sometimes I still have to be involved in those conversations for their reports or their reports reports or whatever but at least like my day-to-day like when I have a check-in with someone that reports to me it's like oh you're like the smartest person in the world like what are you working on let's talk about it like what do you need from me that sort of thing so that's honestly I would I think personally at least for me it's easier to manage managers than it is to manage individual contributors um especially in more junior people because the people I'm managing now are just like so wonderful I feel like good advice for someone no matter what scale company you're at if you're at like a startup and you guys have 10 people or something just having someone it is like a full-time job so when you're at that startup phase which you guys are like way out of now and like the points of contact are the directors and stuff but at that like pain point where you're like I have shit to do like I don't have a month to write reviews I don't have like the time to see like am I rewarding someone the way that makes sense for them or like who should be getting a raise who should be like transitioning to a lower job it really is a full-time job and so I think it's important to like budget it out early on 100% I, I seriously think about sometimes if I wouldn't have had the sort of wherewithal to identify oh this is something I need to work on and I need to bring someone in to help me I don't know how successful I would have been long term because I think that some of the more like HR bullshit stuff would have eaten me alive and I wouldn't have been able to actually be more forward thinking. And I mean, I truly like don't know where I would be right now. So I think being able to like recognize your strengths and your weaknesses and ideally get the support you need to help with the weaknesses will definitely help you so what is your okay so your team now if you can share no worries if not but how big then is your like umbrella of a team then yeah it's like I mean it depends on what all you're counting I guess but if full-time people it's like 80 to 100 (laughs) and if you include freelancers it's obviously larger so that's so sick yeah sorry. It's a I just lot needed of a moment to like get that flex I was trying to like catch on different points of your story like how many people are there now yeah there's a lot it's oh a lot. my gosh okay it's and then you have I heard you talk about um a mentor early on are you to have you taken on that role with anyone in the company or <sighs> Ooh, that's a good question um I don't think like so directly mm-hmm. I mean I definitely think that there's some people that um maybe would say that about me but it's like I'm not like I'm your specific mentor and we like go to coffee once a week or anything Mm -hmm. like that um but it is something like actually it's funny because 
I mean, maybe it's something I should, I guess, still work on. But I know that, like, in one of my more recent mid-year reviews, like, that I gave to myself, like, I wrote my own, and then, like, your boss writes one, two, or whatever. But that was something that I said that I... Oh, sorry, we're in our apartment right now and our dogs are here. And thank you also for being so accommodating with this. But it sounds like Harlan well, has a hairball. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I think that that's such like for me, I've had the privilege of having like several really amazing mentors at BuzzFeed that I feel so grateful for and have given me so many opportunities and believed in me when I definitely didn't believe in myself and believed in me when I was like, why would you give me this job? Like, I do not deserve this job. I do not have the qualifications for this job. And they were like, no, like, I really think you can do it. And so I think that is, I just feel really lucky that I have that. And there's definitely people at BuzzFeed that I have seen something in and been like, I'm sort of your advocate and I'm going to make sure that as long as you keep performing in the way that you're performing, like you're going to go from here to here and... I'm just going to be here to like support you through that. So, oh my God. It's like maybe less mentoring and more like advocating. Yeah. I don't know. Just like identifying. I just imagine like the point you're at now because it happened so fast. I mean, the times we live in are crazy because a lot of these companies, I, you get in early, things need to happen. And then people see like, oh, you walk the walk. You know what? You don't need to be 45 years old to have this job. <laughs> like, you have put in the work and the hours, like, do it. So it's just like the turnaround time of you being that person that was in the house to now like I'm sure you see like many versions of you coming in but it's just like crazy totally yeah no and I try to like yeah there's definitely people that I see where I'm just like you know there are certain aspects of whatever it is about their personality and about their work ethic that I'm like you are special and we need to make sure that this is a place that you want to be long term because you could probably go do this a lot of different places and I mean we've definitely seen like having BuzzFeed on your resume you know is very helpful to get, so it can sometimes it can be hard to retain people like even though it's an awesome place to work there's so many other opportunities for people to go and so making sure that those really stellar employees feel like they have a long career at BuzzFeed and that they have people that see them and see the work that they're doing um, is really important. Um, so last thing I want to talk about circling back to when you first started there, if you could give yourself advice in that house in the Hills, like that first month, what would you tell yourself? Oh my gosh. I mean, a part that I didn't talk about before was literally every single day I would leave and I would call my mom. So I was living on the West side and you know, the house and the first office were in Hollywood. And probably for the first, I mean, I've kind of blacked it out, but maybe three months, maybe it was longer. I would call my mom crying every single day on the drive home because I was convinced that I didn't belong there, that I wasn't good enough, that I didn't know what I was doing. I was just so hard on myself. And like, if that person in the car knew that I would be like, running the video department like that person would have never ever believed me um so it was like I guess I would just say like don't be so hard on yourself I mean I would probably still tell myself in this current place like I'm still really really hard on myself um and I would just say like believe in yourself you can do it like nobody really knows what they're doing which is something even though I tell myself that all the time I still have a hard time believing it like you sit in meetings and people can act so confident or they can just like 
say things as if they know like they don't know more than you know and so like even when I took on this video thing and I had never made a video and I really felt like I had no idea what I was doing and then I don't know this light bulb kind of came off and probably July of this year so like six months into the role where I was like wait a second like some of the stuff I was saying back in March that people were telling me was wrong now I have proof like I was right like I'm not an idiot I actually have five years of watching this department work I kind of know what I'm talking about and I still you know have self-doubt all the time but like I think the main thing is just believe in yourself like nobody knows what they're doing Um, And you're just as well equipped to figure it out as anybody else. Whoa. I mean, it's just so crazy to think the amount of people that are on the team that you are at the top of right now is like multiplied so many more than the entire company when you first walked into it. You know what I mean? (laughs) I actually have not thought about that. That is weird. (laughs) Like the people that you're helping guide in different ways to do what to do is like, I mean, I don't know. I have like chills everywhere it's just so crazy um but yeah I've loved like watching you from a distance and why I've been like so excited to have you on and just see the interesting path you took and um especially it's also very rare nowadays to have people like stay at a company for so long and so I just feel like your perspective from early days to you've been so successful there and it's just like gonna keep blossoming I know and all the interesting things you've done. Like I saw you at like the Olympics and you're on panels and you're at the Facebook headquarters. And I mean, all of that is so great. So I just feel so grateful that you're willing to like be transparent and say like, this is what happened behind the scenes to uh, make it feel more approachable for maybe people that want to like take that first step that you did. Totally. And I, I don't even know if this will work in like editing it, but I told (laughs) the whole, uh, whatever tangent that I was going on before about the letter and stuff Mm -hmm. was then like a year later. So it was May. I had worked at BuzzFeed for probably 10 months at that time. And my parents sent me a letter that I had apparently sent to their address. I don't, I genuinely don't remember doing it. And I opened it up and it was like, uh, I mean, I literally, I'm so cheesy. I have it framed at my desk, (laughs) but it was like, you better be living in LA, working at Buzzfeed and spending too much time at the beach. And Chris and I like, no joke. I get the chills when I tell this story where I was in my bathing suit, like in a cover up, we were about to go to the beach and I was obviously working at Buzzfeed, obviously living in LA. And I opened this letter and I was like, what? I I don't even remember writing this. What is this? And it literally said that I was like, I hadn't even remembered, like, I knew I wanted to live in LA, but I hadn't remembered that I, like, had specifically been like, no, you want to work at BuzzFeed. And so the fact that, like, I put it out there and then it just all happened was really crazy. And I mean, I believe in that stuff so, so much. It happens all the time. Like, I have notes in my phone and I write different things down and then I open them. I've done it with, like, titles at BuzzFeed, salaries at BuzzFeed other things in my life and then it just happens and you're like I'll open my notes again and be like oh my god wow that one I guess I can check that off the list and I gotta add another one so and I mean you know it's not like I think the main thing with that is some people I think think you literally just like write it down and then like then it just magically happens like obviously you have to also be like taking steps to make it happen but sometimes it's eerie how 
similar it can be when you look back like the number is exactly the same or you know you're literally going to the beach when you open it or whatever the thing is but um Oh my gosh. I'm such a believer in all that stuff. I like to call it actionable manifestation. So put it out there, but then take action. Oh, well, thank you so much. This was magical. I'm so inspired by your story and I like can't wait for everyone to listen. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you so much. Yeah, this was fun. Learn more about this week's guest, female creatives, and shop our collection at girlgangthelabel.com. Let us know what you're doing to support your local girl gang by tagging us on Instagram at girlgangthelabel.